Good morning, church. Good morning, church. It's good to be here this morning. I want to first um, be careful to give God all the glory and praise due to his name. Can we just put our hands together and give God a round of applause? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Bless his You can do better than that. Come on. God is good. He's awesome. He's wonderful. He's good. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Lord. Oh, if we had 10,000 tongues, we could not honor and praise him enough. Can I get an amen? amen. Y'all not going to be quiet this morning, okay? I want some feedback. Hallelujah. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I want to thank um, Christ Central for the open arms um, that I have received this morning, that we always receive when we come in fellowship with you all. Um, I want to give a special shout out, um, honor, and respect to Pastor Mason, Pastor Tim. Um, you guys have good shepherds. You have men who want to serve and honor and glorify the Lord, okay? It's not just when they're standing before you on Sunday mornings, but as they plan throughout the week. And I thank God and I pray for them. And I, I ask that you will pray for them and their families, their wives, um, because it is a hard thing to shepherd God's people. It's a difficult task to come before the people with a fresh rhema word every Sunday to pour over the scriptures, to keep um, the faith, um, to make sure that false doctrines are not getting into the, to the sheepfold, into the church of God, corrupting God's people. And this is the charge that Pastor Tim, both Pastor Tim and Pastor Mason have before them. So I encourage you to please, please keep them in, their, in your prayers. Pray for their, their wives who support them and encourage them have to deal with their mood swings <laughs> um, week in and week out. Um, I want to uh, also um, thank New Destiny for coming out and supporting um, this joint service this morning. Um, we have as our text today, um, Romans chapter 10. <clears throat> if you will, please um, open your Bibles, turn on your phones, Scroll down to verse 13 of Romans chapter 10. I was uh, a little giddy as I sat in the seat over there um, waiting to come up here because I realized, I just realized that Pastor Tim nor Pastor Mason told me how long I had to speak. So I was like, oh man, you know, I, I'm going to have a field day here. Um, but I thought it was proper to ask Pastor Tim how long I have to speak. So um, I um, will not be before you long. He said about 25 minutes. Um, and I, I, I usually don't finish my sermons at New Destiny when um, I speak for an hour, hour 15 minutes. So it's going to be tough, okay? Um, so let's go. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version of the Bible. And um, please follow along with me. For whoever calls on the name 
of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Say, faith comes by hearing. Say, faith comes by hearing. I'm looking at a room full of beautiful people. And I say that, not that I am looking on the outside. I mean, I was looking at this, this young man over here, and I was checking your shoes out. And you got some nice shoes, man, nice dress. I mean, the hair is combed over just right. I mean, the guy, could, he looks like he, he could be in the magazine, okay? And, um, but I'm, I'm not just looking at your outside. I am looking at Romans chapter 10, and the Bible says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach, who proclaim. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. If you know Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he accomplished on the cross, on the cross, and you share this gospel, ladies and gentlemen, when you show up, wherever you show up, at a family reunion, on the job site, um, on the playground, at a teacher's meeting, it doesn't matter. But wherever you show up, it is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Ladies and gentlemen, I was thinking about this, this message, and I, 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 I just want to share with you um, something. My father, he, he just passed away about a week and a half ago. And my father, he was a great dad. He took us everywhere. Um, he, he showed me how to be a man. He had a great work ethic. I mean, he would, he would, he would get the last of everything. He, he made sure that his children have, had what they needed to have. My dad was a great man. But one thing I wanted for my dad was I wanted my dad to know the Lord. My brothers wanted my dad to know the Lord. My dad worked all the time, and, and he used work as an excuse, and he wouldn't go to church this, that, and the other, and he always was busy doing this. He knew the Lord, but he didn't serve the Lord, and one of my greatest uh, thanks to the Lord is that God gave my dad two and a half years as he fought cancer, two and a half years to make his peace with the Lord. That was a blessing. That was a blessing, because God, you know, God could have allowed him to go just like this, 
but he knew the word of God. He knew Christ Jesus, but he didn't serve him. But God in his grace allowed cancer to come, and they didn't catch him until stage four. And, and, and my dad knew the word, and he said, you know what? This is my opportunity. And I asked my dad about two weeks ago. I said, Father, I said, uh, what does God mean to you? He says, God means everything to me. He means everything. I want you to know the one thing that I wanted my father to understand was the message of the gospel. Nothing else. I wanted to know him to know that I loved him and that I wanted to make sure or ensure that he understood the gospel message. Paul says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when, when you love someone, you care about them. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. He's talking about your feet. And one thing I realized was that when you love someone and you don't know the day or hour that God's going to call them home, you realize that you're swift of foot. You're swift of foot. You don't delay. If someone's house is burning down and you know where that person is, you do not just think and say, you know what, would they mind if I told them that their house is burning down? Do you think they would mind if I interrupt whatever they're doing to let them know that their house is burning down? Ladies and gentlemen, people's homes, their bodies, their souls are in jeopardy of hellfire. And we are taking our time to go up the hill, and we're dilly-daddling around, and we're going down the hill, and that's not the picture that's painting here, painted here. The Bible's giving us the, the image of a messenger who is jogging, who is sprinting. They would choose the fastest of the runners to take good messages or gave a word in general to the people who are back in the town, to the king. And they would run, and they would judge the the, the, the news, whether it was good or bad, based on the, uh, the, the pace of foot and the, the spread of the feet of the runners. Because if it was good news, they would run with joy and with speed and with enthusiasm and with vigor because they had good news. But oftentimes when it was bad news, they didn't want to bring that bad news. And so their gap between their, their, their legs would would not be as spread or far apart. And, and the Bible says when you see someone coming and, and their feet are, th their gap is wide and they're running with enthusiasm, that's someone bringing good news. So I say again, when you show up, you are a beautiful thing. To those who hear the gospel and believe, they thank God for you. They praise God for you. You are a beautiful sight for sore eyes. But what, what brings this about? I just want to give you a little context. Just like I had a great zeal for my father's salvation, Paul had a great deal of zeal and passion for his people, Israel. In verse 1, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer 
prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to share the gospel with people, it's going to come because you have a great heart's desire to see them saved. It can't come from anywhere else. God has to give you a heart. Because why? Because people don't want to hear this message. They don't. They they don't want to hear that they're bad people. They don't want to hear that they were born in sin. They don't want to hear that their good deeds don't amount to a hill of beans before a righteous God. Okay? The Bible tells us that. Why weren't the people saved, the Jews saved? He says, because light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light. As sinners, we love our bad deeds. We love our bad deeds. And Paul had a, had a, had a, a passion for them, and he had a heart's desire that drove him to share the gospel. I am not ashamed, Paul said, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's not ashamed of it. Verse 2, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. Listen to this. But not according to knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the Jews had a zeal for God. They had a they had a passion for God. Jesus said this himself. He says, in, in, in latter days, men will put you in the prison and put you in to death thinking that they do God's will. The Jews had a zeal for God, but the thing that they did not have, they did not have a true knowledge. They did not have the true knowledge. A true knowledge of what? Just like us Gentiles today. They did not have a true knowledge of God's righteousness. See, the Jews went around thinking that they can walk before God and justify themselves before God doing the works of the law. They felt like if they did the washings and they kept the Sabbaths and they kept the law, that they could uh, be righteous before God. Same as people today in America, in Durham. I just left um, my dad, uh, we just... I buried him this weekend at the, uh, my mom's house. There was a man who says, you know, I'm going to join a church one day. And he says, um, but um, the good deeds that I do, I do more good deeds than most people do in churches. And I says, I believe that my good deeds, he actually said this, my good deeds um, uh, outweigh my bad deeds. And I got an opportunity. I took his phone number and I'm going to speak to him because we connected on other levels. Um, I can't wait to, to, to talk to him about his good deeds. See, man has a highfalutin uh, image of his own, of his own self. We, 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 we kind of elevate ourselves. And, and, but we don't, at the same time, have a, a high enough view of God's righteousness. And so what happens is there's a meeting place where, a meeting point where if I think of myself good enough, and I, I, raise, I, I, I misunderstand God's righteousness and lower it low enough, there's a meeting place there, and I feel like I am meeting God's standard. But we have to let people know that you have a zeal of God, but it's not according to knowledge. It's not according to knowledge. The Jews were 
had a zeal for the law, and that law blinded them. They had a false righteousness. It's, it's like us. We come to church, and we think that I come to church, I read my Bible, I memorize scripture. Who else memorizes scripture? I memorize scripture. I pay my offerings and my tithes. You know I got to be serious. I even come out during the week. I feed the poor and I visit people in the hospitals and in the prisons. Ladies and gentlemen, our works righteousness doesn't cut it. It won't cut it with God. See, there is a righteousness which comes from God. I want to speak about that just for a moment. I I want you to understand today that there is a nature of God's righteousness that we have to understand. We must understand it, okay? Because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And why will they call on him? Because they're going to believe a message about the person of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that the nature of God's righteousness is like this. Romans 3.21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God requires, listen to this, a perfect righteousness. Perfect. Perfect. See, this is nothing new about the New Testament. It was spoken of in the Old Testament. Moses said the same thing. A man that doeth the law, that keeps the law, shall live by it. Okay? But the problem with the law is this. The law can show you what is righteous, because it's the righteousness. Um, it, could, it could point out to where you're messing up. But the problem is that once you break or trespass the law, the law does not have the power to heal you. It does not have the power to make you whole. It can only point out what is righteous and where you're messing or missing the mark. See, Romans chapter 10, verse 4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. See, the, the law can point you to righteousness, but it can't get you there. But guess what? It will definitely call you out when you miss it. See, the law was to point you to Christ. What do you mean? See, Jesus kept the moral law. We did not. See, we've already messed up. Our nature, we have a sinful nature. And the Bible says also that if you break one part of the law, you're guilty of the whole thing. So how can we stand before God? The reason why people think they can stand before God is because they don't have the knowledge of this truth that God requires a He's not going to lower the standard. Your good deeds can't outweigh your bad deeds. Your, your righteous deeds, going to visit people in the hospital, taking care of mama, taking care of papa, um, being a good father, a good wife, it's not in the works. It's in the faith. Jesus is the end of the law. What does that mean? Jesus kept the law perfectly. There was no sin in him. And also the ceremonial aspect of the law the washings, uh, the ritual cleansing, 
the, the, the sacrifices, they were all shadows foreshadowing Christ coming to this earth and being the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And so he was the end of the law morally and ceremonially. The law pointed to Christ. See, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why you are beautiful people, because you carry this message. You carry the content of the gospel. See, the gospel has a specific content to it. Okay? God, Jesus didn't just come to, to um, um, give you a better life. Okay? He didn't come just to make you prosperous. He came to take away your sins. Jesus, God has provided for us a perfect righteousness. The righteousness of God is the condition or state of being perfectly conformed to God's perfect law. And look at this, his holy character. And I can't achieve that. I can't. The best of us here cannot achieve that. See, the scribes and the Pharisees thought they could achieve that. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. And if you want to find some righteous people, it would have been the, the scribes and the Pharisees, religious people. But God was letting us know that that righteousness was not good enough. We need the righteousness which has come to us by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul said this, Paul says, I, I cast away everything I've ever done, my, my uh, Judaism. I cast away being a Benjamite. I cast away, my, I, I cast away my zeal. He says, I persecute, I was so zealous for God, I persecuted the church. He says, but I, ca I count that all lost, rubbish, dung, for the excellency of the knowledge. He had knowledge. See, the Jews perished because they didn't have the knowledge of God's righteousness. Paul understood he says, all that stuff that was gained to me, I count loss. Okay? Because we have to understand that Jesus Christ was made sin for us. The perfect man was made sin for us. Look at this, that we might become the righteousness of God. Okay? What we need is a perfect righteousness. And that righteousness only comes to us by faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. It doesn't come, I don't care how sincere people are, um, the Muslims are, I, I have friends who are Muslim friends, they are very sincere in their faith, they have a zeal for God, but look at this, it's not according to knowledge. The Jews are very zealous. They have the Mosaic law. They have the Tanakh the Old Testament scriptures. They're very zealous for the law, for the, for, the, for, the, for the Lord. But it's not according to knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm repeating myself a lot because it's very important that we hammer this home. You have to take this message to the people that it's in Christ alone that we find salvation. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. No one else. I don't care how sincere one is in their religion or in their faith. It is this message that saves. And we cannot be ashamed of it. We cannot be ashamed of it.
much time do I have? We got about five minutes. My wife has told me about five minutes. So, again, God alone has inherent perfect righteousness. God alone, not us. Psalms 11, 7, for the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. John 17, 37 says that God is referred to as the righteous father. And it's interesting. God, the father, is referred to as God, the righteous father. Um, but in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, look at this about Jesus. Jesus is referred to as Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Uh, I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 4. And listen to this. Ladies and gentlemen, we need the perfect righteousness that comes from God. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, 14 through 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Ladies and gentlemen, we have this high priest who was tempted just like we were in every point. Yet he did not sin. He did not sin. But he makes intercession for us for when we do sin. If anyone says he has no sin, he's a liar. Okay? He's a liar, and the truth is not in him. But the Bible says if we confess our sins, look at this, that God can justly forgive us our sins. And look at this, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, ladies and gentlemen, again, that underscores the point that when we stand before God, we have to have clean hands and a clean heart. There cannot be a spot nor wrinkle on us. And see, God, through his son, Jesus Christ, has enabled us to be perfectly cleansed from all unrighteousness. It's the great exchange. I like to call it the great exchange. He took our sins upon himself, and in exchange for our sins, he gave us, look at this, not just righteousness, not just good works, but perfect righteousness. That's what you have. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have perfect righteousness, which allows you to go before the throne of grace boldly. God sees you in his son. He accepts you in his son. Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness. And so that's why you're beautiful. That's why, because you, you have this message, the only message that can save, the only message for the world. And so, yes, the Jews had a zeal for God, but the knowledge that they lacked is found only in the gospel truth, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel concerning Christ the Lord. And the reason why we have this gospel, so that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on them whom, on him whom they have not heard? It's very important, it's vitally important that you proclaim the gospel. Vitally important. 
Why? Because the Bible in closing says this very plainly. Faith comes by hearing. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The message that each and every one of us knows about and understands in this room and that God has called you to proclaim to everyone, not just Pastor Tim, not just Pastor Mason, but every person, even my son who's 10 years old, he's proclaimed the gospel to other people because it's that clear, it's that plain that a child can know it, but they have to hear it. They have to hear it. And so this is this call to share the gospel is not a calling that you receive from the church, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a, a charge that you receive from Pastor Tim or Pastor Mason. This charge to proclaim the good news comes from God. I'm referring you back to the Great Commission. All authority has been given unto me, says Jesus, in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, in this authority. Okay? And you take this gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. We have the internet. We have Facebook. I mean, you can talk to people internationally. We have such a, a great a, a arsenal at our fingertips to get this gospel out. And so I want to, at the close of two, uh, 2017, enter into the year 2018 of our Lord. I want us to be charged. I want us to be motivated. I want us to be enthusiastically proclaiming the gospel to everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm leaving you with this. I, I, ran, I went to J.C. Penney to fi- uh, get a Christmas gift for my wife, and I ran into an old friend, and her mother is 80-some years old, 83, 84 years old, Miss Malloy, and some people know about Miss Malloy, and Miss Malloy is losing her mind, okay? Miss Malloy uh, doesn't, rem- she, do- she can't recall the names of her children sometimes, <laughs> but you know one thing Miss Malloy remembers? I don't, she's been saved for she literally cannot remember you if she's known you her whole life. But one thing she said, she said to people, a stranger, because everybody sometimes think, seems like a stranger to me, to strangers, she says to them, do you know the Lord? She says that, says that to them, do you know the Lord? She says you need to know the Lord so that you can live eternally in heaven with him. Do you know the Lord, child? That's all, that's all she says. And I'm like, okay. I'm going to take a message from this. Sometimes we need to get outside of ourselves. We need to lose our mind for the Lord. Okay? We need, to, we need to take on what the Bible calls the foolishness of preaching. And just act up sometimes. Because I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was rebuked by how this lady who's 84 years old, who doesn't know her, ch- her children's name, but she knows the Lord, and whoever she comes up against, she says, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? You must know the Lord. And I'm saying, why can't I do this? And so our charge today is that every one of us is equipped, and we're charged, and we're being held responsible. God gave you a commission. He gave you accountability. He gave you responsibility. And if you're still on this earth and you have breath in your lungs, he's provided you availability. And he's going to hold you accountable because you are responsible and you are equipped to share this gospel. 
And when God comes back, I'm sure one of the things he's going to um, require of us is our stewardship of the gospel. Who did you tell? Who did you tell? When you go to your family reunion, are you afraid to share the gospel? Or is it inappropriate to share the gospel there? I say no. I'm going to take my cue from Miss Malloy. Do you know the Lord? Okay? Over a, a box of popcorn at the movie theater, do you know the Lord? In the grocery aisle, do you know the Lord? Amen. I don't want Miss Malloy to outwork me. <laughs> 84 years old. God bless you. Thank you for hearing these words. Um, know that we have been charged today to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. Amen. Let's give God a round of applause.